The Courage to Lead, episode 87. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Ian Price Murphy. Ian founded Moxie Bookkeeping and Coaching in 2003 to work with creative businesses and nonprofits, companies deeply engaged with their work, but frequently not comfortable with the numbers. When the money makes sense, organizations thrive and so do their communities. Unlike other consultants, Ian isn't a Wall Street or corporate escapee. She has decades of firsthand knowledge of the challenges of being a small business owner with staff. Ian is a certified mastery level profit first professional, certified fix this next advisor, zero platinum partner, QuickBooks pro advisor, and a certified business coach. Wow, I feel like a slug. <laughs> Ian, welcome to the show. Uh, thank welcome to you. the show. Man. <laughs> Where do you, I mean, with all that going on, where do you find time to do like the bookkeeping stuff? Oh, I delegate that now. I'm the business owner. Yeah, I don't, (laughs) I, uh, I still do some bookkeeping, but usually it's the, um, making sure people are onboarded efficiently, but I also have staff that can do that too. So nice. Nice. All right. We'll come back and talk about your, your peeps and uh, everything you guys are doing, how you got started, where you came up with the name Moxie and, uh, Whatever else comes up, we'll talk about it all. But first, I've got 10 questions to ask you. These are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from stage, film, and TV. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Ian, if you're ready, question number one. All right. What is your favorite word? Onomatopoeia. (laughs) I'm not even going to try to spell that. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Like. <laughs> like why? Like, okay. What turns you on? Uh, compassion. Nice. What turns you off? Hypocrisy. What sound or noise do you love? My dog snoring. <laughs> Less so my husband snoring, strangely. I don't know why that works that way, but. Awesome. What sound or noise do you hate? (sighs) There's a lot of them. Um, I'm going to go with the, the sound that a crowd makes when the crowd goes, woo, really gets under my skin for some unknown reason. What is your favorite curse word? The F-bomb. Great. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Profession. Uh, so many answers are jumping to mind. I, um, I think pilot. Ooh. Okay. Very cool. What profession would you not like to do? 
an equal number jump to mind. Um, I would not like to be an event planner. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree with that one. All right. Finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Other than come on in? I mean, come on in would be good enough for me, honestly. <laughs> Rather than, oh, no, dear, you are, you are, you're <laughs> yeah. not here yet. Gotta, next, gotta, next door down. Next, next door, door down. down. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to talk about how you got started, um, how you came up with Moxie bookkeeping and uh, all the stuff. Profit first, fix this next, love it. All right. We're going to talk about all that and whatever else comes up right after this. So listeners, stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Ian Price Murphy. Ian, thanks again for coming on the show. Been looking forward to the conversation here. You make me laugh. Me too. Um, Moxie Bookkeeping. How'd you come up with Moxie Bookkeeping? I was incredibly fortunate that I didn't have to. Um, (laughs) It was given to me by one of our clients. So in the early 2000s, while I was still a freelancer, one of our clients who's still with us, which I love that fact too, I came in and I said, you know, I'm about to hire my first employee and I feel like I don't, like I need a name now. I can't, it's not just me anymore. And I don't really want to name it after myself. And this man, Donald said, I've always wanted to name a business Moxie. And I was like, that's it. That's perfect. And thus, thus we were born. (laughs) Voila. There we are. Very cool. So how'd you get started? Is this something you've always wanted to do? Or did you kind of stumble into it? Goodness, no. I don't know how many people when their young child says, I really want to be a bookkeeper. (laughs) I was not, I certainly was not one of them. I, when I was very young, thought I wanted to teach. So in some ways I have the profession that I wanted when I was a child, which is cool. Um, No, I pursued a liberal arts degree in college. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I was very interested in, you know, the arts and art history and theater and production, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So, you know, you can imagine that when one graduates from college with such a degree, (laughs) one has to go very quickly find real work. Yeah. And that was what I did. I, I, you know, did a little temp work during the day. I worked at, you know, bars and restaurants at night. Um, and what led me to bookkeeping was the fact that even though I was working two, three jobs, I was not earning a living wage, but because I'd never been taught how money works, uh, you know, I just kind of knew you had to earn more than you spend, but that didn't really help me because I wasn't earning enough. And 
I wasn't, I wasn't spending like a maniac. You know, I, I was, I've always been very frugal and the bills just kept piling up, whether it was a slow day at the restaurant and there just were no tips. So my, I think it, I was earning a dollar 20 an hour as my base wage. Wow. I just wasn't covering it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, if I changed jobs and there was that two week lag or changed apartments or had a roommate leave and not pay their phone bill. It was just these sort of like daily grit of life that, that wore me out. So I suddenly had tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt with, you know, above 20% interest. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at my bills, it was gas, groceries, telephone bill, you know, all just trying to kick that can down the road until I could earn enough, but I didn't know how to do anything other than work harder. Right. Mm -hmm. And the unfortunate messages that I had been given growing up because I came from a very solid middle-class family was work hard and you'll succeed. Right. I mean, that worked for both of my parents. Um, you know, my dad's actually a jazz musician who had a, a part-time job as a civil servant doing law research for the state. So he had, he had that and it worked for him. And he also, and so did my mom have a little bit of the follow your passion and the money will come. Well, I had to call BS on both of those because that was not by the time, you know, the eighties and the nineties rolled around that economic reality no longer existed. So I ended up declaring bankruptcy, Mm. which was brutal and felt like a, a personal failure, felt like a moral failure. You know, I've always felt very, um, attached to my integrity. My word Mm -hmm. is my bond. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, even if it kills me to do it. And it very nearly did. So that uh, slap in the face by the universe, I, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for it. It came at a great time in my life in my early twenties when I was young enough to do something about it. And it was personal, not business. So, you know, it took a while to recover from that. But part of that recovery from me was man, I got to figure out how this stuff works. (laughs) And so I, you know, was working as a, as a office manager and began to learn bookkeeping and had a very patient CPA. And when I left that job, I started being a freelance bookkeeper and, and then listening to the questions that all of the business owners were asking and trying to find answers. Cause those were the questions that I was having as well. And that has sort of led me forward on this path. And nice. um, the final the final question that everyone was asking me was, what can I afford? I mean, that's not the final question. That's actually yeah. the first question. But that was the final question that through all of my learning and all of my professional development, that was the one question that bookkeeping couldn't really answer. Mm-hmm. And so when I found Profit First and it did answer it, I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in on this. Love it. Yeah, uh, profit first. Mike Michalowicz, uh, love his whole program. And uh, yeah. my mom had the envelopes with money. You know, my dad cashed his paycheck. She put money in each envelope. When it came time to go to the grocery store, you pull that envelope, and that's the amount of money you had. Yep, <clears throat> that's essentially what he has businesses do now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Man, and they don't teach that in school. Why? I mean, that's a whole other thing. Uh, and I'd say I'm, I'm a little ornery about education again, cause I had wanted to be a teacher. I, I 
lament near daily the loss of home ec shop yep. class right yes. all of the all of the practical how do we live as independent humans right a life that is of our own making rather than how do we score well on a standardized test <laughs> that maybe we'll use something yeah. someday yeah. I saw somebody post on Facebook the other day, a thing saying, you know, when I was growing up, the owner manual for your car told you how to change the oil and change spark plugs and all this stuff. Owner manuals and cars today say, don't drink the battery acid. <laughs> or, you know, it's like, that's, <laughs> that's where our world is gone. You know, it's by design, crazy. Unfortunately, unfortunately, right. I mean, it's been a series of very small missteps that have led to just a, a like, uh, yeah. what, yeah. what? <laughs> exactly. So how did you get in with Profit First? Did you find the book first or did somebody ask you about it or how did that happen? Uh, it was another client. Okay. So I, I, I think I have great clients and I think I have great clients because I feel like they really do collaborate with me. They really do communicate well with me and let me know what they like and what they want. And that helps me serve them better. Um, so I had a, I had a design client who said, I just read this great book and uh, I love this system and I want to do it. And I'm going to go to somebody who's certified in it. And I was like, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can read it, but that doesn't mean I know much of anything about it. Um, but I did read the book and the first pass through, I like to read books twice. The first pass through, I read it and I thought, well, that's dumb. Why wouldn't you just look at your reports? Right. Because yeah. I'm a bookkeeper and that's my bias right. and which is why I read things twice. So when I read it again, a little more slowly for deeper understanding so that, you know, I, I kind of knew what the system was and now I could go back with all of my, but why questions, I realized very quickly, this is the, the other half. It's the flip side of the coin, if you will, that serves the business owner, not their bookkeeper. I was listening to a podcast the other day. There was a, a gentleman on there who is a book, bookkeeper, owns a bookkeeping firm. And he was saying all of the right things. He says all the same things that I say. You should find a bookkeeper that's going to be an advisor. And you should find someone that's going to be a real partnership with you. And da, da, da. and, and the, the host asked him, what about profit first? And he goes, I don't, you know, I don't really think. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, he missed the entire point. You know, what he said is I'm an industry expert. I know how much you should be spending in these different areas in your business, which is great. And I'm sure that's true. <laughs> However, it's hard to find people that are industry experts. He himself admitted the vast majority of bookkeepers do not act as advisors. Right. And I certainly hope that he charges accordingly. So what do you do if you can't find a bookkeeper who's willing to be your advisor or doesn't know your industry or charges more than you can afford? Like, are you just supposed to be like, well, I guess I'm out of luck, you know? <laughs> no, you read profit first. You get this very simple system that, that I think of, I think of bookkeeping and profit first, like beans and rice. Mm -hmm. You can eat beans a million ways without rice, rice a million ways without beans. Both are delicious. When you bring them together, something magical happens. And the magic of profit first is, although it doesn't replace your bookkeeper or no. your tax person, it, it frees you up to make those crucial financial decisions mm -hmm. 
on your own. You are empowered to understand your business in a whole new way where you don't have to rely on, gee, I hope my bookkeeper doesn't quit because this guy knows everything about my business and my industry and I don't know anything. Right. Yeah. And it's that collaboration. Uh, I, the same in, in, I think in our healthcare, yeah. you don't just turn yourself over to a doctor and let them decide what to do. You need to understand what's going on too. Hopefully. Right? Hopefully. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of my clients, as far as profit first, we've talked on this, um, and I'm trying to tell them, you need to understand how your business operates. You need to understand what's going on in your business and why I think profit first does that. It it does it in simple terms. Mike McCallowitz is funny. He's the way he, you know, presents the information is, uh, is very clear and it does help you understand, well, I need to now ask my bookkeeper, how do we do this? Or here's what I want to do. How can we go about it? Right. Right. Very cool. And then you went on with fix this next. I did go on with fix this next. I, I think I've actually let my certification on that lapse uh, because I just, you know, my heart is in profit first, but yes. fix this next was his next book. And he's of course coming out with yet another book another very one. shortly. Yes. Um, Cause he's an author and that's what he does. So <laughs> fix this next. What I like about fix this next is it helps people who are at the stage of, I'm not really sure what my issue is. You know, mm-hmm. I work best with people who are at one of two stages, either I'm just starting out and I want to make sure that I'm starting out on the right foot so that I can stay out of hot water. Or I now have a successful business where the sales and the marketing is no longer the, the issue. Mm-hmm. I have money coming in. It just all kind of goes out and I'm not really sure that I'm working most efficiently. I'm not sure that my profit margins are correct. I certainly would like to be taking home a larger paycheck. I just want to know what I can afford without overspending. Um, and, and that's, that's absolutely profit first. So fix this next is great. If you're working at some, some other piece where you're not either not sure what the problem is, or maybe it's more sales and marketing or more systems and structure. Yeah, exactly. Something's not working in my business and to try to identify what that is, fix that first, fix the next thing next and, and so on. Yeah. And it's a, again, it's a good system. I like fix this next. I was a, a certified fix this next advisor also. I think I've let mine lapse now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good information, really good. Great stuff. information. And I think just to go back for a quick second to the profit first piece of it and what you were saying about understanding your business I think of finance like a foreign language and it is a foreign language that I happen to be relatively fluent in. I think a lot of business owners mistake this idea that I have to quote unquote, know my numbers with, I have to be fluent in finance. And that (laughs) is not true. You just need the couple of key phrases to be able to get around town, see the sites you want to see, eat a good meal and get a good night's sleep. You know, you don't, I like to say, you don't have to learn how to conjugate the pluperfect subjunctive, right? That's what I'm for. Um, So there is a middle ground there that's very accessible. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, finance is all onomatopoeia. I just (laughs) right over my head. Um, How many employees do you have working for you now? We just hired our 15th. Wow. Good job. Good job. So things are going well for you. Um, has the COVID pandemic slowed you guys down or are you guys still pretty busy? 
No, we, we have been a virtual firm for quite a while. Um, you know, I, as soon as the technology allowed that to happen, I saw how I could serve more clients, uh, better in a way that serve, you know, that worked better for them and me. Uh, I love not having to commute and not having to charge anyone for travel time. Um, you know, the first couple of months were, were very hard for, for two reasons. I mean, a the obvious one, but the two reasons that it was really hard was because a lot of people that were calling us were calling us not with a problem to solve, which is where I love to be, but with a lot of emotions that they Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do with. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the first time that I've spent a lot of time just letting clients cry with me, you know, and, and that was, it was really draining. It was really scary, you know, especially if the business didn't have reserves that they could tap into, you know, you circle the wagons. I, I know a lot of businesses, the guys that I work with, they were pulling money out of their marketing to try to, you know, protect themselves and, and keep their employees. It's like, no, you don't want to go dormant. You need to stay out there. You need to stay, you know, doing what you're doing and stuff. Yeah. And, and so then that was the second thing that became hard was, you know, in months three through whatever the businesses that, that were doing okay, were the ones who already had profit first in place. And so I began to have this real crisis of why did I, why did I allow clients to opt out? You know, like, why would I be like, oh, you know, you really should quit smoking, but eh, if you want to keep smoking, I'm not going to, I'm just, you know, so, so I sort of developed this whole guilt complex around that. And, and it changed the way that we take clients. We no longer take clients that aren't doing profit first. You don't have to do it with me, right? but you have to do it. At some point you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good because uh, you know, I've, I've worked with some clients that they have no clue. They have the reports they get from their, their bookkeeper CPA. They have no idea how to read them. They don't know what they're telling them. Like you said, just foreign language to them. If they would just look at profit first, just try to understand it. It's a very simple system. It makes a lot of sense. It'll take away a lot of the stress that they have. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Schools don't teach that enough. They, no. they need to. Um, <laughs> so if I was to bump into any one of your employees and ask them what kind of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader? Ooh, what a fun question. Uh, <clears throat> leader. I would say they would all, they all really like me as a person. Um, I think my, honestly, I think my leadership skills are a little squishy. And it's one of the reasons that we made some of the hires that we made. We finally hired middle management. Um, You know, uh, we hired a chief of staff and we hired a business development person because I'm really great at coming up with the ideas and I'm really great at making sure things get done, but I'm not good at actually uh, sitting with people and drawing the best out of them. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm a task focused person, not a people focused person. Okay. And it, so it just became more and more apparent that we needed someone to be essentially a den mother for us yeah. to like, make sure we all had our naps and milk and cookies and we're, and we're being nice because we, you know, task focused people and we, 
we try to work against this, but I think this is excruciatingly common in um, the financial world. We are very uh, succinct and we're very direct and we're very outcome oriented. So when working with a population like the one I like to work with, creatives, that often feels really bad. And, um, you know, they, they tend to love us because we do take the time to explain in plain, plain English and help empower them and help teach them, you know, like learning to drive a car. You just got to practice. It might feel scary, but it's really not. <laughs> um, but I, but I just saw the opportunity for more of that to be again, of service to us and our clients. Um, so I think that, I think that I'm a fair leader, both in terms of quality and, uh, you know, being a fair, fair person. Um, I, I, hi- I hire people who know what they're doing so that they don't really need a lot from me. You know, we, yeah. we hire the best and we keep them. Our yeah. very first employee is still with us. Nice. So working with creatives, like give me an example of some of the, some of the clients you have. Yeah. And I use that term very loosely. So we are, we only work with service-based companies, not because we won't work with others, but just because generally, if you're a manufacturer, then we start talking about things like ERP systems. And I Mm -hmm. go, I just don't know. Like, I really think you should talk to somebody that's an expert in this. Cause I'm going to be like, I don't know. What do you think? Which is not a great thing to pay me to say. (laughs) (laughs) So we work with, um, service-based businesses who, who think of themselves as creative or creative problem solvers. So that is both sort of the traditional web designers, architects, course creators, but also mental health professionals, some lawyers, um, some tradespeople, right? I mean, I know some guys in the trades that are wildly creative problem solvers, entrepreneurs in general, are, are pretty creative people. And so that's, you know, we like people who want to collaborate, who, you know, have a strong vision of making the world better, whatever that means to them. Mm -hmm. And we want to help them increase their impact and get the money worry out of the way. Nice. And do you get with them when they're first starting off or do you get them when they're at that point where it's like, I've done everything I know, and I'm afraid to go forward. Um, both, both. I mean, you know, we don't have starter prices. Here's the issue. The issue is people who are just starting out need the most and can afford the least. So we do have some like jump start packages, you know, some like foundation, let's lay the foundation mm-hmm. three months, you know, 2,500, not going to kill you, but right. not nothing. Um, So that's good for people that are just either like, I've got great support. I already have a business coach. I just want to focus on this one thing. Or for people that are like, I just want to know that I'm starting out. Then there's this zone in the middle where they really should be focusing on sales and marketing. And that's where their money should be going towards, not towards me. And so I, you know, I'll tend to say to them, like, I don't really know that right now is the best, you know, if we're not just, if this is not an investment that you want to make in making sure the foundation is solid, like call me later, you know, call me when you feel like the, the money is coming in, in a, in a way that keeps you from feeling panicky. 
and we'll get you set up. Um, so yeah, a lot of, I think, you know, usually around 300,000 is when people start to be like, I could really use some help, um, and up and, you know, we've had people call us once they're already making multiple millions and, and still yeah. saying, I actually have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, there's a lot of, I know there's a lot of businesses in that area where, like I said, they just, they don't understand. They don't understand what the, what the reports are telling them. They don't understand why. I think I told you before I had one guy that I asked him, how did you do last year? And he goes, Oh, we did really good. I go, what was your revenue? I don't know, but we did really good. It's like, what's, what's your profit margin? Oh, really good. It's like, what's your profit margin? I don't know, but we did pretty good. It's right. Like, you have to know where you are to know where you want to be, to lay a plan on how to get there. So and so many people know their top line number and think mm -hmm. we're doing really good without having any concept of their bottom line number and the fact yeah. that they're actually losing money. Right. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, profit is like an accounting term. It doesn't necessarily mean you have that money in your pocket. Absolutely. And that's something I think they, they struggle with is like, how come you tell me I have this and I'm, you know, eating <laughs> right. ramen noodles? Why right. is that? Yeah. My report says I had a hundred thousand dollars at the end of the year, but my bank says I've got 3000. What yeah. happened? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's all cash flow. I mean, <laughs> I think the other, the other, not to get all statistic-y here, but one of the other things, statistics that I've heard is that I think 99% of small businesses that are started are started by people who love what they do. Mm -hmm. Those are not people that know how to run a business. They know mm -hmm. how they know their craft and that's correct. Right. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. That's of course, that's why you start no, a business. You just want to get the, you the help for the other stuff, right? Go yeah. drive your car. Don't try to be the mechanic and certainly don't drink the battery. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah, no, cause that's, you're right. That's where most entrepreneurs get started. They love what they do or they're really, really good at what they do. And for some reason or another, they say, I don't want this guy. Cause I know when I started off as a, as a consultant, I, they were the company I worked with. They were billing me out a couple hundred bucks an hour. And I was getting a fraction of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, I'm doing all the work. Um, and I think that's what a lot of entrepreneurs is like, hey, I'm doing all the work here. And yet they're billing me out at X. I could probably do this on my own. And they start a business. They don't understand what they're doing. And so they just bury themselves in the, the hands-on tasks because that's what they know. That's what they understand. And yet they're not running the business. They're not working the employees the way they should. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a very painful way to learn why they were marking you up so high. Yeah. Right. It's not that they were taking home money, hand over fist. Yeah. It's that that's how much it costs to run a business. Exactly. And that's why <laughs> I think a lot of business owners try to keep the numbers away from their employees. Um, sure. Uh, one of the guys I'm working with, you know, they just, they're like two point. 2.8 million, I think this year is what he's he's targeting. And his employees say, wow, you make all this money. It's like, no, 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 that's how much is coming in. I have to pay for you. I have to pay for the lights. I have to pay for this. And I really appreciate when companies sit down with their employees and kind of open the books, let them see. Yeah. This is why we need to, you know, be better about the resources we're using, you know, be better about the, the, the tools. If, if they don't understand how the business works, they think that top line number is all in your pocket. Right. Right. Yeah. 
And, you know, to be fair, that's their job. They're employees. They're not, they're not supposed to know that stuff. Yeah. They don't have to know that stuff. You're the one that chose I know. <laughs> to be an entrepreneur and to take that burden on. But I think that's also the underpinning of the chronic uh, undercharging that so many people do because they don't factor in, oh, right, annually, I have a massive insurance bill right. or annually, I've got a massive bonus to pay out or, you know, oh, I forgot about workman's comp, whatever it is. The, you know, the, the reason that your competitors are charging what they're charging is because that's already as low as anyone should go. And mm-hmm. they might even be charging too low. So there's just no point in on competing on price because, you know, likely the business you're competing with is also not profitable. So just charge whatever you want and, and, and define your value, make it worth it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Increase the value. Don't, don't try to, you know, because diving down towards the bottom, you know, oh, we can, we can undercut these guys. We can undercut pretty soon. You're both going to hit the ground. Um, I was working with a client a few years back and she was pricing everything based on what she thought her hourly rate would be. Oh, yeah, she yeah, was yeah. out in the industry. It's like, <laughs> you've got, you know, 20 some odd years of experience. That's what they're buying. They're not buying an hour of your time. They're buying that 20 years of experience. Plus you have your overhead, plus you have, you know, this, and plus you have, once you add all that in together and kind of spread it out, this is how much you should be charging per hour. She goes, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you coach also. Yes. So what are you seeing with your, with your clients? What are they, what are they struggling with? Is it, it's more than just the finance. Is that what it, what it is, is understanding how their business runs? I mean, I, here's why I coach or here's, yeah. The reason that we're called and coaching is to, because again, when I think of the terminology that people think of when they're like, I need help with my books, they think bookkeeper. So I didn't want to call myself a fractional CFO because again, that's not a term that resonates with a lot of creatives. Right. And if it is great, I'm a fractional (laughs) CFO. (laughs) Um, So what I'm really trying to sort of suggest is I do both coaching and consulting. And that's a distinction that only coaches and consultants know or care about, Right. right? Yes. Either I'm going to do it for you or with you, or I'm going to lead you to find your own answers. So I really like to do a little bit of a a blend of both. Mm -hmm. And I certified as a business coach before I certified in profit first and didn't end up doing a whole lot with it because it wasn't, it wasn't a focused enough title for me. So when people hear business coach, a lot of times they think like, work-life balance or like, what are my deep emotional issues? Or, you know, how do I really overcome these marketing challenges? And I'm like, I I do the other kind of coaching. (laughs) Um, And so again, Profit First was what spoke to me about that. So, so the coaching that I do, I feel like, you know, and again, coaching is the same as finance, right? It's a broad, broad term that could mean all sorts of different specialties, just like saying I'm a doctor, right? Well, cool. Are you an ear, nose, throat or dermatology or professor of philosophy? Right. All doctors. So I like profit first because what I really do is the financial coaching. So to me, 
I can't expect to give you a system and have it resonate with you if we have not also opened up room to talk about what's the resistance, you know, what's the money messages that you're fighting against. And, and for creative, some of it is as deep as I can't betray my community. If I'm successful, I'm not a quote unquote real artist, right? Or for my tradespeople, I don't want to betray my family. You know, nobody in my family made more than a million dollars. I'm taking home a million dollars. Like I feel like a fraud or so there's a lot of stuff tied in there. And, and even though I'm not super people-y, I understand that those are things that must shift along with putting in this system. Cause if we don't look at it, it's just going to like, suddenly you won't be using the system and it, why not? Why aren't you keeping up on this? So that's what I mean by coaching is, is sort of helping guide people through some of those deeper questions, whether they give me the answers or not, I don't care. I just want them aware of those moving pieces. Um, and, and helping them determine what is it that I really want and giving them permission to want it. Nice. Very cool. So where did you find the courage where you could have stuck with the safety, the comfort zone of the nine to five? Where did you find the courage to break out on your own? I don't know. I don't know that that was ever an option for me. Hmm. I know that people who, you know, do something that other people think are courageous, never think that it's courageous themselves. So I acknowledge that. And I've never, (laughs) I've never really had a nine to five job, right? I mean, I came out of college already like piecing these little things together and, um, you know, I definitely have a strong opinion about most things. I don't know. I, there were definitely times where I would have fired me. There were definitely times where if I gave myself the attitude that I was giving to anybody else, or if someone, you know what I mean? Like, mm -mm, no, no girl, I signed the paychecks. You can, do you know, but being a freelancer, I had the luxury of calling a client and being like, Hey, can we move our appointment on Friday to earlier or later? Cause I'm going to go to the beach that day. And I don't have to tell you that I'm going to, you know, like just, yeah. it just allowed me to set my own path in a way that I just, I don't, I don't know that I could have See, that's scary for some five. people. That's yeah. scary for some people. They, they think, no, I want somebody else to make the decisions for me. Mm-hmm. I just want to kind of show up and do what I'm told and make the money. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. We need that too. We need all of it. We need the full round, complete expression of all of the weird little ways that we're human. It, there is no one solution. The one right. solution is everybody do everything. And then we'll be kind of balanced. So yeah. So I don't, I honestly don't think the nine to five was an option for me. And part of that was reinforced at one point when, in 2008, when I had a friend who was working at one of the big companies and she was a singer, she was an artist and she had sidelined her career. She still sang a lot, but she, her first thing was her nine to five job because of that security. And then in the financial collapse, she lost her job. She lost her pension. She lost her savings, right? Like it was all just poof within months. 
And, and I remember sitting with her and she was like, so what did I give up 30 years for? And I was like, girl, I don't know. I don't know. So it's things like that, that make me feel like I actually think it's far more terrifying to put my financial well-being in anyone else's hands because they're going to underpay me and drive me into bankruptcy. <laughs> right. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm with you. I just uh, interviewed a, a guy for the podcast that he was a mortgage broker and he was good at it and he was making money, but he said, this just doesn't float my boat. You know, this isn't what I should be doing. And he decided to become a, a groomer for animals. A dog groomer. And now he's got, he's getting ready to open a second shop. Yeah. And, uh, but he's doing what he loves and he's, he's not, not looking back. That's awesome. And that's the piece where I think the, the well-intentioned follow your passion and the money will come has mm-hmm. a purpose, right? It's not wrong. It's just not yeah. always right. It helps to love what you do. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be putting a lot of extra time effort into it right? If you're going to be making sacrifices with your time, your energy, or your money, you better love what you do. Yeah. It's just that that's not enough. Yeah. Money has to be there too. No, it definitely has to be there, but it makes it a little bit easier to get up in the morning to go in. If you actually like, maybe not love all the time, but if you like what you do. Yeah. (laughs) So would you do things differently if you had it to do all over again? I mean, you know, I think if, if I, I would start charging more sooner. Okay. Would be the one big thing I would get over that. You know, I don't know that I have enough value to charge uh, as much as I want. I, yeah, sure. Well, let's go build it. Um, And I think I probably would have. Well, I mean, again, I'm stubborn, so it's hard to say this. I, I would like to have, I'd like to think that I would get a business coach sooner <laughs> before trying to do it all on my own. Cause that's just a waste of time. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would have tried to hire myself out of my own job faster. I, I have no argument with that. I think that's, <laughs> that's priceless. Um, yeah, because I, I think and uh, having talking back with the the money piece, I've had clients that same thing. They they're afraid to charge more. They're afraid that people are going to look at them like you're an imposter. How dare you ask for this kind of money? It's like, again, it's not the hour of time you're spending helping them. It's the knowledge you're bringing. What if they had to hire a person to work inside the company? I worked with one lady that was a, a kind of a virtual training manager. She would come around to businesses, look at their employee list plan, you know, the, the training for them and then quarterly, make sure they're getting all the training they needed either off the shelf or creating things for them. It's like, what would it cost them if they were to hire somebody in their HR department to be the training manager? It'd be huge. You're asking for a small piece. It's, it's the value that you bring to it. That's really what you got to focus on is that value. Right. And not just the value of what, what other alternatives could you be spending on, but the value of if, if I really bring you the transformation that I am promising you, where you never have to worry about money again. Like, what is that worth? To That's got to be worth something, right? Yeah. That's got to be worth way more than what I'm charging. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, to me that, that feels like a good balance. And oh, there was something else that you said that made me think of something and now it's flown away. Oh, well. 
<laughs> we'll come back for a second podcast. Okay. You can do that. Very cool. So what's next for you? Are you uh, looking to expand? You're going to open up offices around the country? What are you going to do? Well, we're virtual. So we kind of are already all over the country. We've got half of our staff in New York. I'm in California. We have a really? woman in Alabama. Yep. We've got a woman in Washington. Uh, wow. That might be it for the States. I feel like there's one more somewhere. So, uh, you know, um, I always grow organically. I don't mm-hmm. feel any need to be larger than I am. We grow because people want our services and we're like, we're, we're running short on room. Let's, let's hire somebody else. So for me, what's next is, uh, not being the only person comfortable, fully delivering profit first. I have people that are comfortable doing the sort of mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just love to offer them the opportunity to grow into this advisory role. And I think that's, I mean, that's the way the industry is going. That's the way the technology is going. That's always been what business owners have needed. More and more people know that profit first is an option now. So that's the growth that I see, you know, let the VAs do the data entry. Mm -hmm. Cause why would I charge you to do something if somebody else will do it for less There you go. and get the same result. And then, and then let me focus on the parts that I really do well around goal setting and making sure that you're paying yourself. Nice. Well, good job. Perfect. That is a good model. Absolutely. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about you or, or your company, Moxie Bookkeeping, where can they find you? What's your website? The website is moxiebookkeeping.com. That sounds We simple. have a little, it's very simple. We have a little download on there of the five money myths that are sabotaging your business and what Excellent. to do about it. We host a free webinar that's kind of a profit first 101 about every six to eight weeks. Nice. Um, yeah. Very cool. And all that information is on your website. All of it's on the website. Very cool. Well, I will make sure that that link is in the show notes so everybody can find you. Thank you so much. This has been fun. I enjoy talking to you. You, you make me laugh. I enjoy being here. Good, good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Very cool. And we will come back as you continue to expand and grow and who knows another McCallowitz certification may be in the works, right? You never know. What's his new book? His new book is called Different is Better, I believe. Yes, Different is Better. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and it, that's that. the marketing book. That's the yeah. marketing book. Yeah. And uh yeah, different is definitely better. Good job. Yeah. All right. Ian, thank you so much. This has been My great. My pleasure. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me on. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good takeaways here. Uh definitely check out Moxie Bookkeeping. Check out Profit First. Um, and yeah. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 